Hello, this podcast is sponsored by Now Alchemy. Now Alchemy is an amazing company that has formulated the most powerful substance in our body that was taken way back in the Egyptian era known as the food of the gods. Not only does it bring in balance, happiness, and increase your intuition, it decalcifies your pineal gland, which opens up your third eye and increases your light body, allowing your consciousness and your awareness to be open and aware of everything that is going on. The high level mineral source, which we need today on our planet is so important. With the fact that the earth itself has been overturned so many times with all of the farming industries, that we do not have access to the rich ormus that is available in this planet. And thanks to now alchemy, we do. We now have the sustenance that our body needs that is brought in from the Himalayan mountains and the Dead Sea. Ormus, which is powerful energy source that moves through your body and brings together a whole synthesis of information to every part of your body. By bringing this mineral source, you are nourishing your body at a cellular level. I love the company for what it stands for and its ethics. And it has been a sponsor of Ancient Wisdom Today podcast since the beginning. And that's why I always ask the tribe to support the sponsors who are sponsoring this show because I go through each of the sponsors with strong ethics and integrity to make sure that whatever they are bringing forth is in align to the planet and into you and for all of us so that we can grow and have health and wellness in our lives. Ormus's company spends a lot of time with advanced scientists, naturopaths, and doctors and herbalists to formulate a sourcing technique that brings in the highest quality of organic ingredients from the most mysterious and desolate countries in order to bring the magic in the bottle, which is Ormus. Now alchemy is not just for health and wellness community, but for all people seeking to become their greatest version of themselves. And I've been taking this product for many months and it has been such an addition to my shamanic love that I bring to the world. And how I bring love into the lives of people is by keeping myself healthy and happy and lifted and shifted. By bringing the highest source of minerals in my body, I am able to hold a high vibration of energy and light when doing healing work or when I'm speaking to large groups of people. And when I'm here lit and doing Ancient Wisdom Today podcasts, so I invite you to experience the amazingness of Ormus. They have so many powerful selections that you can choose from, from 24 karat gold Ormus, to Shilajit, to nano enhanced CBD, to Elysium, each bringing a different blend of energy to your body. And I honestly say that this company is really changing the lives of people ever since I've mentioned them and shared them with all of the people in the tribe. I've been getting letters and letters of people's lives that have been changing. And not to mention the fact that those who have had suffered so many times from PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depression, confusion, fog brain, and all of these other symptoms that have been plaguing us because of the onslaught of aggressive energies on our planet. By taking Ormus, these things are cleared, neutralized, and allowing you to have more balance and groundedness in who you are as well as enhancing your mind so that you're able to think clearly and have a stronger focus. You can get Ormus by contacting www.nowalchemy.com 
That's www.nowalchemy.com. And if you use the code SHAMAN, you'll get 11% off every purchase you make. I'm so happy, tribe, that we are putting beautiful things in our body because putting beautiful things in our body is putting beautiful things in our mind and our spirit. And that allows us to shine and radiate our truth in this world as leaders. I love you. Enjoy the share. Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years, and with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek is a third-generation shaman, an evolutionary innovator, and a women's empowerment leader. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. We're sharing ancient knowledge in modern times in order to put the power back in people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. Hello, beautiful tribe. Our tribe is powerful. Our tribe is intellectual. Our tribe is stimulating. Our tribe is moving energies and shifting vibrations and lifting the possibility for all of those people on the planet to recognize themselves as leaders and to step into that leadership with honor, with dignity, and with regalness. Our tribe is recognizing all of the powers and gifts inside of them. And I'm so happy to have you all here on Ancient Wisdom today. And I'm so excited also too to have an amazing gift of a beautiful person who's bringing us a beautiful presence today on our beautiful podcast to share with the tribe her knowledge and her wisdom and her understanding of what it's like to be a millennial and to transverse through all of the information and data and what it takes to actually be a millennial and step into a place of power, recognizing yourself, acknowledging yourself, and especially acknowledging yourself at this day and age. Because, you know, we always talk about like what's happening right now on the planet and having this amazing woman, Rachel, who is from the Confused Millennial, and to have her on this show is so wonderful. And it just touches my heart deeply to be able to hear her wisdom and to share it here with the tribe. So I'm really happy to bring her on today's show. And I want to say thank you for being here. Hi, Rachel. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. So why don't you tell the, the, the listeners who are you know listening, what exactly is conf- the Confused Millennial? Yeah, so it is a lifestyle blog all about helping 20-somethings and 30-somethings embrace more of who they are while navigating this whole adulting thing. And it's also a podcast now. That's fantastic. So you've taken the the being a millennial to the next level mm-hmm. and really sharing that to help other millennials. What do you think as a millennial is some of the major triumphs that you had to overcome that, you know, people my age, who's age 43, like we have a different viewpoint on things. What's it like for a millennial these days? Yeah, it's, um, I think... The older generations had it a little bit easier. You know, with the internet, as great of a gift as it is, it's also led to a major information overload, which becomes really overwhelming for millennials. And what we're seeing with Gen Z, I'm sure people listening know all about the comparison trap, looking at vacations that look amazing on Instagram, but not seeing the other side where you're freaking out and have anxiety the entire time about getting that perfect photo. And then there's also obviously the financial thing where 
people are graduating. I know like the older part of the generation graduated and it was one of the biggest recessions that America had seen in a really long time. So piled in student debt, under-earning, undervalued, and it's just kind of a combination of information overload and then not knowing what your worth is anymore. Yeah, I think that's a very, um, you know, wonderful example that you made because I think that what happens is, is when you are operating um, at this function where we are in our evolution, there tends to be, you know, a lot of shifts happening at this period of time in our evolution. A lot of people aren't aware of uh, that this time is known as the great upheaval. And so everything is shifting and changing. And so when you're a millennial, you're having to kind of like deal kind of with an earthquake a mm-hmm. little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And be able to like, how do you adapt yourself to you know, maintaining ground, being grounded and maintaining the focus that you need in order to, to continue to um, flourish your life in a beautiful way. So what, what is some of the, the things that you feel that millennials can start to do to just start getting grounded? Yeah. So the first thing I tell everyone, and I wrote a blog post on this too, uh, called Millennials, This is How to Live Your Best Life, is just unlearn everything you've been taught up to this point. I always say like your 20s are about self-discovery. It's the first time you're not tied to parents, coaches, teachers. Maybe you're tied to a boss, but at the end of the day, that's your choice with the rise of digital nomads and entrepreneurship. This is an opportunity for you to let go of all of the systematic programming at this point and discover who you are. Um, So that, I would say, is the first way to really ground yourself, which can be a big experience, but that's what we all came here for. And so in your own personal journey, what was it for you? Did you just did you just wake up and become the confused millennial? <laughs> uh, what was your steps, you know? Because <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sure there's listeners thinking like, okay, yeah, but in real lifetime, yeah. right? And we're dealing with real life issues in the world. Mm-hmm. Did you just wake up and, and step into this role? Or what What actually moved you into this role and, and gave you that? Because, um, you know, I always say there's, a, there's that, that calling that takes place mm-hmm. in our life, right? And, um, and so what was the calling that pulled you? Where were you pulled from in order to step into this role in, in the way that you have, which has been amazing, by the way? Thank you. Um, so it was a series of things. So I'm actually going to go back. You know, I've told you this before. By the time I was 11, I had started three businesses. In second grade, I had had other employees. But as I trans- transitioned into middle school and high school, the systematic programming of get a secure job where you'll get a 401k plan and health insurance had really taken over. So when I got to college, I was on that path. I was studying psychology. I went ahead, got my master's degree. And about a year into my master's degree, I was studying mental health counseling. Every fiber in my being was saying, don't do this. Like This is not your path. But I had already gotten job offers. And I started at what I thought was going to be like my dream job. It was a phenomenal company. And I uh, very quickly, what my dream job was turned into my worst nightmare. I was crying every single day, waking up like in sweats every night. I was like on the verge of throwing up. And so I was like, okay, I've struggled with anxiety and depression before. I'm going to become the poster child for self-care. So I woke up an hour earlier every morning, went for a run on the beach, meditated. During my lunch break at work, I would go do yoga. After work, I'd go for a walk on the beach to decompress. And I was doing all of the tools that people say to stay grounded. Right. And it wasn't working. And um, I really say I manifested getting fired because I was like white knuckling this because I thought I had to stay in this nine to five. I, I had just graduated with my master's degree not even two months earlier. I was earning $10,000 more than my coworkers that had been with the company for two years. Like on paper, I checked off all of the boxes that I was supposed to check off. And I was like, why am I not happy with this? 
And so I finally, I got myself fired. And the day I got fired, I had landed a new job because I was very type A overachiever. And even though there was like a little voice in me saying like, go back to what your child self knew and like go back to entrepreneurship. I was like, I can't do that yet. I'm only 24. Like I'm only 25. I can't do that. Well, three weeks into this new job, I got myself fired again. So I'm 25, full on quarter life crisis, fired twice in under a month. And I was like, I can't go back to another nine to five. I can't have an employer. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know it's not that. So I took off. I looked at my savings account. I had had an emergency fund. I said, okay, I'm going to take off two months and just veg out and like live the retired life and like get in touch with who I am again. Because like I said, your 20s are all about and learning all of this stuff. And this was the first time I really got to ask, what do I want? So uh, a couple months into, so two months into that, I was like, okay, I obviously need to like make money at some point. I have bills to pay. So my then boyfriend, now husband said, okay, well, let's write down the characteristics and qualities of your dream job. So I said, number one, I want to be able to watch Ellen DeGeneres every day. Like, you know, Sean and I watch her every day. I love it. It's just like that ray of sunshine for me. Number two, I want to be able to help people. And so from there, I looked at the skills I had from being a counselor and what I saw was like a gap um, in my early 20-something clients. So I wrote out a life skills curriculum, went around teaching that for about a year. And after teaching that for about a year, I realized it wasn't a sustainable business model. So I decided to move my business online and hired a business coach. In hiring a business coach, it was a very interesting relationship, but it was really beautiful. Long story short, I was like caught into this drama triangulation, which was essential for my evolution because I woke up one morning hysterically crying and said to my husband, I'm just another confused millennial and I have no idea what I'm doing with my life because once again, I'm building somebody else's dream and following somebody else's map for myself. And it was like a lightning bolt hit me. I grabbed my computer, saw the domain was available, and within 48 hours, had built a logo, built a website, put up four blog posts, and that was two years ago. Amazing. So, you know, in shamanism, we have this this belief that uh, anything that is taken from you, as far as like if you lose a job or love or whatever, in it, it basically means the universe is saying that you're being you're being you're hiding in something that is a lie. Right. Mm-hmm. So we say so. So the, the, the understanding of that is you're lying to yourself. And so the universe is pulling you out of your lie. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what the situation looks like. It's meant for you to look at the fact that you are not living your true your life mm-hmm. truthfully. And so I like all that you said, because what you're basically sharing with everyone is that this journey into becoming the confused millennial was based upon the idea of going through the, the I call it the birthing pains mm-hmm. of, of awakening, mm-hmm. right? And so as you step into that space, you know, you begin to recognize that it was actually all the things that you were going through led you to see your truest self. And the thing is, what, what I, and I want to add that, which is, Human beings don't have to go through that. Mm-hmm. But the reason why they do go through that is because they don't want to surrender. Mm-hmm. And so the surrendering part is really challenging because you're in the matrix and the matrix tells you like you have to make money, you have to have a job, you have to put food on the table, you have to pay the bills, you have to do this. And so you get into this very strong mindset that this is how it has to be. And you don't let room for spirit to come in mm-hmm. and show you other pathways that can manifest from you just learning to surrender and let go and then just be present with that, which shows up naturally and effortlessly in your life. Mm-hmm. And so I really love your story that you just shared. And what would you say to people now 
that you've been through that journey, Mm -hmm. right? So that they don't have to go through that experience, (laughs) right? What would you say to people who are listening who are like, yeah, that's me. That's me. Like I live the nine to five job. I'm trying to figure out who I am. I'm going to college and realizing that I'm not happy. What would you say to them? I always tell people to go back to what lit them up as a kid. You know, our child self was most in touch with what our our real soul, our spirit really wanted. It wasn't as programmed. It didn't have as many years exposure of programming to the matrix. And so usually I feel like that is the most real. Um, So when I look back at who I was as a kid, I loved to write. I loved to be an entrepreneur. And these are all things that I've brought into my life today. So I would say if you're getting all the like physical responses, like I was crying, anxiety, all of that type of stuff, take note of it. You know, like you don't have to manifest getting fired. And then I had to work through all of the shame and pride and ego bruising of that. Like it doesn't have to be a painful evolution. If you just say, okay, that my world is trying to tell me something right now. What is it that I really love to do before? And then start to follow those things that light you up. And the doors will just keep on and windows will just keep on appearing. Like it just, becomes a light lit up road and like things are going to pivot. Things will evolve. My business, like I said, it started off as a very different thing than where it is today, but those were all necessary building blocks along the way. I love it. I love it. And I think that's really solid advice for those of you who are going through difficulty in your life um, and that you do feel stuck and realizing that there is, there is never a stuck point Mm -hmm. at any point in your evolution. And that every time you think you're stuck, that's when you're supposed to surrender and let yourself completely, like I call it going liquid. It's (laughs) when you actually liquefy yourself and that's when you can pass into another dimension Mm -hmm. or to another thought or into another understanding of yourself that you never even thought existed. And I think that's beautiful. I also want to add into that too, that when you're on that path of being in that space of where you're creating all of these, you know, uh, polar opposites and ideas of what you think things should be as according to what you've been programmed by your elders or by your, your authority figures and, you know, by your guardians and so forth, you have this idea of wanting to achieve something. And so in the act of achieving something, you miss the idea of what it really means to live because you, you live through this idea. I have to achieve something in order to be something instead of getting into the idea of all I really have to do is just feel and experience me. I mean, there's so many people now on YouTube, <laughs> so many people are making millions mm-hmm. and millions of dollars because they decided to brand themselves. Mm-hmm. And they brand them like one kid I saw, he plays video games and that's what he grew, that's what he grew up doing. So that's what he does. Mm-hmm. And he makes tons of money. He makes like $2 million a month playing video games mm-hmm. because that's what he loves to do. And I think, um, and, and tell me if you agree with me, I, I believe that for millennials and for anyone who's in that space, who goes to a job and dreads it, who's in a situation where they feel like they're stuck, that's really the key for them. Yeah. I mean, when you're staying stuck in something that you're not enjoying, you're not creating space for the things that are going to make you say, hell yes, and light you up to come in because you're so, your your energy field's clogged. And, you know, the universe can only give you so many things at a time. And even if it was given to you and you're still stuck in my everything about my life is miserable, you may not even see the gifts that are they're trying to give you, which was definitely where I was at. So so what you're basically saying is, is on a spiritual level, if you're not seeing the gifts, it's because you are doing so much complaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're create you're the ultimate creator of your reality, right? right. And so yeah. you're gonna I know I self-sabotaged a lot of the gifts that were coming my way for a long time. 
because I was just like stuck in victim mentality and things like that. And finally, it was just like, okay, this is enough. It doesn't have to be this way. I can be the creator of my life and I can take these risks and take these chances. And, you know, what's the worst that's truly going to happen? Like, even when you quote unquote fail, like I always look at it as failing forward because there's a lesson to be learned in everything, whether it's a painful situation or a really easy, beautiful situation, there's always something that we can take from it. I want to just go back for a second. Is something I do want to say, but I want to go back to that point that you said. I want you to say that again, failing forward, you know, because you have such beautiful and poignant words and I don't want them to get lost with the story. Mm -hmm. So explain failing forward. So failing forward is just like taking a step forward in your evolution. You know, I think failure got this bad rep and I, I use it because it's something that we can all relate to. We can all relate to, you know, being fired, getting kicked off the state arts team, our team losing, stuff like that, where we might look at it as a failure. But in reality, it, it's a step forward in our evolution. It's a step forward in our growth. Uh, that's amazing. Failing forward, everyone. Do you understand that? Failing forward. There is no failure. You're only failing forward. You're actually, you're actually, it's the whole failure idea is, is literally propelling you into your evolution. You know, one of the things that I was taking from what you were saying is that the, the consciousness or the evolutionary process of, you know, anyone who's in that situation and why they feel that they're stuck and why they're in it. I believe from just my understanding of shamanism and how I can apply it to what you're talking about is that there is a stubbornness that is held within a person of they want what they want and mm-hmm. they have a very like strong idea of what they think things should look like and how they think things should be. And because of that, they're not allowing mm-hmm. the, the, the messages, the gifts, the energy to be coming in from the spirits, from the universe to show them the path that is most of least resistance. Exactly. And I think that's where we get stuck in a lot. Like I know I was, I am still, but I used to be much worse, a TV junkie where I, I was told this is what life's supposed to look like. This is what a dream job's supposed to be. And this is it. And like, I I refused to let go of it, even though my soul knew, my emotional self knew, but my brain said, well, this is what it's supposed to look like. I have to hold on to this want because if I don't have this want, what will it actually be? And that unknown is what keeps us stuck. And then we keep going through the same cycles, calling the same things in because we're not no longer failing forward. We are just kind of quote unquote failing because we're not allowing ourselves to go introspective and learn the lesson from it. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, I want to dig in a little bit deeper (laughs) and actually say that people should literally throw parties when they walk away from Mm -hmm. something that's not serving them. Mm -hmm. And they should throw parties when they break up with someone Mm -hmm. and they should throw parties when they lose their job. Because Mm -hmm. I think we, we, you know, we we become so um, collectively, um, you know, held back that only time we can actually celebrate something is on our birthday. Mm -hmm. But we should be celebrating the times when we actually do fail forward, mm-hmm. right? We should be having parties. We should get a cake. We should have friends come over, throw some music on, have a little, you know, dance party and really celebrate these moments so that our spirit sees it differently. So we can create mm-hmm. a new dialogue, a new experience for ourselves internally and externally, mm-hmm. and then be able to create something that is actually much more in alignment to the understanding of evolution versus to be actually depleting from oneself or feeling that oneself doesn't matter or is not capable of being able to achieve something because something is not working out the way they think it should be working out. Exactly. And you know what I feel about that word, should. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) And like going in a little bit even more, like, right, going in, like, what kind of world are we living in Mm -hmm. when we are literally living our lives by this box 
of here's what you have in the box to work with. If you don't do what's inside of this box, you are considered a loser by the consensus of quote unquote society. Mm -hmm. And that you are also not considered the black sheep, as some would say. And others would be, I'm not a person who's doing the right thing because I'm going against the grain. What, 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 I mean, what is this (laughs) container that we've created on this planet? I mean, there's, I mean, I'm sure there's people who are, you know, creating all kinds of health problems, mm-hmm. anxiety, you know, um, you know, skin problems. I mean, the list goes on as far as like what's bombarding the system, which is so aggressive in nature. What what is this? Uh, what is the earth? Is that what you're asking? You know, no, like, what is this? I mean, I know that, but I'm saying from your perspective, because you see, I yeah. have this viewpoint that millennials are data collectors. Mm-hmm. They're data analyzers, mm-hmm. right? Whereas in my time, we were just taking responsibility for just like learning how to adapt to our authority figures mm-hmm. and what they were telling us. And we were allowed to talk. We were allowed to speak. We were allowed to ask questions. It was just like, do as you're told. Smile when I tell you to smile. Talk when I tell you to talk. And do that. And if you do that, you get rewarded. If not, you're going to get punished. And we're going to outcast you if you don't follow these exact rules. Where mm-hmm. now... You have this, you know, this, these new um, minds coming in. I don't process uh, data information like yeah. you do. I process spiritual information because I'm a mm-hmm. shaman and I've, that's a part of my lineage. However, I don't process data information in the way that you do. Like I watch a lot of millennials like scan information mm-hmm. so quickly. But what I see, and I want to share this with you, what I see is it can be a, a bit of a trip up for millennials is that they scan so much data information and then they hold on to those data information mm-hmm. instead of deleting that which is not necessary. What's your thought on that? Yeah, I think that's actually like the American Psychological Association does like their annual test of what, who's the most stressed out generation and millennials have like come in as number one for like the last few years. And I think it's because it is so much data that we're ciphering through and we end up not deleting any of it. We end up saying like, oh, we could go this way. We could go that way. We could do this. We could do this. It's almost like it's two polarities and dualities that are getting stuck. And I think keeping people in almost purgatory of not actually taking action with their changes. So essentially you have still very similar to your generation where we're told you're supposed to do X, Y, and Z, and you'll be rewarded for this. This is the American dream. Go to school, get the degree, get the job, you'll have the house and family. But the reality is, is most millennials are living in so much debt that that's not actually happening for them. So then they're turning to social media and all these news outlets and everything like that where you know we do have such a large expansive world and you do see people coming in as expanders for them showing them new ways of doing things like digital nomads are on their eyes so many people are living in vans today so many people are like balking buying a home and things like that and it's like well how do i connect all of these different things and then we're not taking the time to turn inward and say okay well i'm going to delete this from my system because this isn't resonating with me or this doesn't feel true to my soul and my calling in this life and it ends up kind of creating that confusion for a lot of people. Like I tell people my blog and podcast name all the time and they all laugh right away because it's just so true for them. And they're like, yeah, I get that because that's where I'm at. You know, there become so many choices. And this is something I used to, I still do struggle with, but I'm creating windows for myself where I'm saying, okay, well, this is a possibility and I can write this down and I can come back to this later and integrating it in my life because we do have the urge to do all of the things all at once and our systems can't handle that. So we end up not doing anything at all. Yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the, what do we call that? The, um, 
you know, like I'm overloaded. I can't do anything. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it becomes drugs, parties Mm -hmm. and like alcohol and every kind of, uh, you know, any form of stimulant that can actually take you away from that bombardment of Mm -hmm. information and data. What is the thing that uh, millennials can do? To, to lessen that, to to eliminate that from their life. What are some of the, I know I, for myself, I would say as a shaman, I would say for millennials to spend more time in nature mm-hmm. and get more involved with um, things that are connecting them to being a human being mm-hmm. and nurturing, I feel is a very strong um, point. But what are some of the ideas that you have being a millennial? What have you done to be able to keep yourself from being able to delete? Because I, I basically what I would look at it and say is that, if, if information, like for me, in my in my generation, I see information and the, the first thing I do when I look at information and I go, does it support my evolution or not? And mm-hmm. I, I, I immediately like dismiss that, which is not necessary for mm-hmm. my evolution or not necessary for things that I, I really need to get done. And then like I streamline everything mm-hmm. based on its relative experience or information that is actually governing me to be more successful, governing me to be more loving, governing me to be more open and more free and more aware of new information that is actually serving my purpose or, and then I just delete the rest of it. Yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't, I'm not into that. So what do you think the, an advice would be for those millennials who are listening Yeah, are those who have that same behavior? Cause mm-hmm. even some people who aren't, who aren't millennials have that same behavior. Mm-hmm. What would be your advice, my love? So number one, I want to go back to what you said about alcohol and drugs. So one thing I always tell people is if you're drinking or using substances to not think your thoughts or feel your feelings, which is why I used to drink, just that is a slippery slope to be on. That's escapism. That's avoidance. And that's usually um, the biggest sign that something in your life needs to change. So if that is you, definitely find ways, find support, cut that out, stop that right now because... It's not really supportive of your evolution. It's not allowing you to come here, turn inward and find out what those next steps are going to be. And it's just going to slow this down. It's just going to drag this process out. Um, So you're going to have to face it eventually is kind of the thing on that. Um, From there, I would say... I personally don't have any notifications on my phone. So I don't have email on my phone. I don't have any social media notifications on on my phone. Um, And that's, again, to limit the amount of data that's just being thrown at me in a given day. It will also help save your battery life on your phone. So that's an extra bonus. (laughs) Um, But because, you know, we are so inundated that, like, time blocking saying like, okay, I'm willing to check my email three times a day. You know, they say email is like the lowest form of energy waste, like, and it can literally suck your entire day. So not on my phone, um, only check it two to three times a day. And people still tell me I'm one of the most responsive people they've ever worked with on email because I get to inbox zero every day. With that said, also digital clutter. Um, I know Shaman's been at my house. He knows that I have a lot of physical clutter, but my digital clutter, which is where I spend most of my time, is non-existent. I immediately delete everything I don't need off my computer. I clear my cookies. I have everything I need organized into my cloud drive. And because that is so much of where we are gathering our data in any given day, really being able to get that organized and that clear I think allows us to really like empty out our brains. And when we are going ahead and going into the interwebs and saying, okay, I'm going to take in data now, we can be much more selective and we're actually going the process of literally deleting it. So that's a really nice like physical manifestation of what we can do within our minds. Um, I'm with you. I agree. Time in nature is essential every single day. 
Um, Meditation is very, very important. And episode two of my podcast, The Confused Millennial, we go through a little beginner's guide to meditation because I think a lot of people don't realize how they are meditating throughout their day. Um, it's not like sitting cross-legged and saying kumbaya and ohms yeah, all the time. All. It can literally be if you're painting with pastels, your run could be a form of meditation for you. You know, all forms of mindfulness are meditation, not all forms of meditation are mindfulness. So there's probably ways in your life you're already doing this. And I'm all about removing that barrier of entry to meditation. So I would say like those are like really three simple ways to start doing it. I like that. Can you say that again so that everyone can hear that again? Because you know you have these wonderful sound bites that you just throw out, but you throw it out and it's like, and I see a diamond flying across the room. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna go pick that diamond up and bring it back for the listeners because it just kind of just comes out. You're like your mouth is just flowing with gems. Yeah. Right. So, so uh, I really want to go back to that, uh what you just said, which was um, about meditation, some meditations say that again. All forms of mindfulness are meditation. Not all meditations are mindfulness. That is brilliant. Okay. That smashed it right there. <laughs> because the thing is, is that a lot of times people have this idea that, you know, they don't want to get into meditation mm-hmm. because they don't want to sit down. And like, I'll be honest, I'm not a person who can sit down cross legged. It, it hurts my knees sometimes. Oh, kills me. And it just, I'm just like, okay, I'm over it. And like, mm-hmm. a lot of times people will invite me to go to like these meditation places and be like, oh, shaman, it would be nice if you just showed up. People would love to see you come do this meditation. Mm-hmm. But I know how strict they are with their meditation, like spine forward, legs mm-hmm. cross, you know, this whole thing. And you know, one time I even had to say to someone like, you know, Odin hung upside down from the Yisrael tree, you know, and came, came into, you know, came into great wisdom. And, you know, there's so many cultures that don't sit cross-legged mm-hmm. with their spine up. And I think what happened is that in, in, in today's culture, the trend of the spiritual movement has become much more about you following the rules of the spiritual mm-hmm. movement. Like follow the rules, get your dreams, green, green smoothie, make mm-hmm. sure you're, you're doing, um, you know, your meditations, do your yoga. Did you go to Wonderlust? You didn't go to Wonderlust. What is wrong with you? You didn't travel to <laughs> India yet. You didn't check into the ashram. Oh man, really? You know, like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. What is going on with you? Like you didn't, you didn't eat this food. You don't eat that kind of food. You don't know about maca. You don't know mm-hmm. about, you know, super greens. You don't know about, you know, spirulina and all these different things. And it's almost like a checklist mm-hmm. to become spiritual. You have to follow some kind of like diocese of 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 it's almost like it's becoming to be to create its own religion mm-hmm. you know and there's like punishments from society from people if you're not a vegan and if all of a sudden you decide not to be a vegan for a while because your body can't you know can't go is going through changes mm-hmm. everyone wants to chop off your head and like mm-hmm. you know and, and throw you under the bus and it's almost like you know there's a crew of people going out there mm-hmm. looking and hunting for the people who are not following the things it's no different than someone coming to your door and saying hey i noticed that you didn't come to scientology or hey, I noticed you've been chatting with your content. and you haven't come to temple for a long time. What's going on? It's becoming the same thing. It's a little bit scary. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, you know me, an authority in rules. I don't, I kind of balk at them. I do balk at them. Um, so I'm letting go of the control of balking at them. But yeah, I'm not about rules or anything like that. Follow what lights you up. Follow what makes you happy. Turn inward and follow your intuition on these things. Like, if some days you want to be a vegan, go ahead, be plant-based, be a vegan. That's great. If some days your body's just like, you wake up and you're like, I really need that cheeseburger, like go eat that cheeseburger because it's all part of your evolution. And sometimes you have to take five steps forward and two steps back. And that's just how life goes. I mean, I literally call myself a spiritual hypocrite. <laughs> he does. You know, <laughs> I, mean, I really do. Like I'll be like, ew, you're eating those cookies. And then I'll be like, um, can I have one of those cookies? <laughs> that's a true story. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, and like people are like, whoa, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. I could be like, so I'll be like, ill, I can't believe like you even ate that and put that in your body for like eight, like for like eight months. I'll say it to like my friends, like, I won't eat that. I don't touch that. Mm-hmm. Da, da, da. And then like eight months later, I'm sitting at the restaurant eating it. Yeah. You know, because I, I literally I'm a multidimensional being. I have many spirits mm-hmm. and the one that's out and who's dealing with you. And that one, it might be like, yeah, you know what? Like, I don't walk with shoes and like mm-hmm. you might see for eight months I may not be walking with shoes and then all of a sudden one day you see me wearing cowboy boots mm-hmm. like it's like you know it's the reality of it all you know so I think it's important for us to kind of switch it up you know mm-hmm. I like I always like change it up change it up change it up switch it up switch it up stay lit in the understanding that your path is your path mm-hmm. and it's not about what San Juan or Bill or Susie or Amber or you know a Michael or Donovan or any of these people are doing mm-hmm. You know, it's about how you build your, your, your path. And I, even in shamanism, you know, I get really kind of like, like, oh my God, like, what are they doing? Everyone thinks this is what shamanism is because they feel like if they find a trend and then they think that's how it is across the board. So every time someone meets me, they're like, oh, shaman Durek, like, do you have any ayahuasca? Oh, shaman Durek, do you have any boga? Shaman Durek, do you have some peyote on you? I'm like, dude, I don't carry it in my back pocket. It's not in my backpack. It's not, it's not, it's not hanging out in my car. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it's all good. Like that's not all what it is. And I think what happens is people get really transfixed on this idea that in order to be this, you have to eat this or do this and do that. Mm-hmm. And so I think we could definitely say that, you know, throw the rules out, right? To really become spiritually enlightened and to be really to kind of transverse the nonsense Mm -hmm. of, of today's culture is just throw the rules out. Yeah. And like create your own. Like if you feel like you need to walk around a tree backwards, if you feel like you need to walk around a tree backwards and that's what you feel that you have to do and that's what's going to bring you enlightenment. Then, you know, then walk around that tree, you know, and if you feel like waking up in the morning and the first thing you do is you make a sound of a rooster coming out of your house, you're like, and the neighbors are looking at you. You're like, have a nice day. Right. And that's what you choose to do. That's what you choose to do, because whatever keeps you lit, Mm -hmm. whatever puts you on that lit train, whatever that wherever you are able to stay on that lit train and just feel sustainable energy, sustainable joy, sustainable happiness. I mean, don't you? Hey tribe, I want to share with you a lit verified product called Monk Oil. Monk Oil makes beautiful skin potions that were created to help people navigate modern life. I've been using this product for so many years. Monk Oil City Skin Potion is the real deal magic potion applied to the skin made and for city dwellers in New York City. Monk Oil helps us to be our best in all environments and not just when everything is totally ideal. There are four types of city skin potions, each with a specific intention and effect. The potions speak to different parts of us and work on different levels of our body, soul, and spirit. Dawn's City Skin Potion is a poem, a love song to the optimism of California coast and sunrise. And if you're feeling stuck, hatred, empathy, hardness, this potion will soften and hug you. Think of dewy pink dawn providing tenderness and hope to even the darkest night. Dawn monk oil can help bring love to a situation, even when it seems that it can't happen or that you can't muster up the love for oneself or another. It directly supports the daily revival of active love in your life and renewal. Like the dawn, 
and has a nurturing effect on its wearer. It is easy to become constricted and world-weary living in big cities. Dawn City Skin Potion keeps us coming from a place of openness and optimism for ourselves and for others so that we may be of service to humanity. It also truly helps tame and soften difficult people with a kind of embrace. Monk Oils potions are made using ethically sourced organic-based oils and essential oils. Every potion has flower essences in them that work on healing the capacity with your life force and a crystal to further activate the potion. This is powerful, everyone, and a must-need product and lit verified. They are conjured with love and intention on full moons, new moons, solstices, equinoxes, and all other cosmically beautiful days in New York City. You can learn more about monk oil and their different potions at www.monkoil.com. Monk Oil is excited to offer a 25% discount on all the trios of three different potions with the offer code of TRIOS Shaman Durg. That's T-R-I-O Shaman Durg for those in U.S. at www.monkoil.com. Stay lit, tribe. What do you think, Rach? I mean, do you think that's the way to go? Yeah, I believe in throwing out the rules. I always say that I, because like a common question I get asked is, what are you so confused about? And I always say like, I'm reclaiming the word confused. It's become such like a negative thing, but to be confused means that we're asking questions. It means we're interested in evolution. It means that we're going ahead and trying out different things. It doesn't have to mean that we're sitting here paralyzed and like not taking action. It means that we're evolving and seeking to evolve. And that's at the end of the day, what this entire human experience is about. You know, it's about going ahead and waking up and cockadoodling do like a rooster one day and seeing if that worked for you. And then maybe the next day you decide to slink around your house like a cat and like whatever that ends up looking like, that ends up looking like and just have fun with it. (laughs) (laughs) I like the whole slinking around the house like a cat. I'm going to do that one. I really am. (laughs) You and my dog can hang out and do that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, because I even like find like people will like, I remember one time um, someone had said to me, you know, I was, I had this person come over and, you know, they were like, well, whose toys are these in, in the house? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they're my toys. And they're like, what? You play with toys? You're an adult. Why do you play with toys? Mm-hmm. Like, cause I play with toys. Cause it lights me up. Mm-hmm. It keeps me like on fire. Yeah. And I think like, the, I think what, I think the, the, the core understanding of, of our evolution is not to conform to any kind of idea, but really to be lucid, to be liquid, to be free. You know, as they say, in a lot of Asian cultures, you know, you need to be able to be bent. You have to bend like the reed. You know, you have to be you have to be flexible in your mind as well as your emotions, as well as in the way that you perceive life. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and even in shamanism, like the first thing we do when we look to take someone on and train them or to, you know, to be able to to start sharing information with them, we look at how flexible are they? Mm-hmm. How comfortable are they to go into something and then completely let go of it 
and say, I know nothing and then get filled up again with something else that is completely opposite of what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And like allowing themselves to go through this kind of like a very schizophrenic way of experiencing spirituality, mm -hmm. right? Where you get to try on many hats, many clothes. One day you're feminine, one day you're masculine, one day you're a dragon, next day you're a dog, you know, like whatever mm -hmm. it is, the shape-shifting qualities of shamanism is really what allows a shaman to be the strongest, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, so if, the, if, if someone is in a spiritual path and they're like, this is the way it is, here's the rules, this is the way it is, even that right there is mm -hmm. a chain and a, and a link to, you know, to really ingelling yourself, putting yourself in a prison and limiting yourself from your own evolution. Mm -hmm. So what do you what do you say to to people who are listening, who are stuck in these routines, yeah. who think that the only way they can survive is to have a structure, you know, and the only way that they can actually enjoy their life is when everything is structured and controlled instead of really allowing themselves to go like, I don't need to continue to be put myself in this proverbial way of looking at life based upon an old paradigm that wants me to chain myself into these false realities that have nothing to do with me on a soul level. Yeah. What is your thought about that? I mean, I feel like, you know, control is something that we have all dealt with in our human evolution. So it, right away, I just want to like take away the shame. Like if it brings up tears, that's cool. Like let it bring up tears. Like every single person walking this planet has wanted to control or has tried to control things at some point, even shaman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like that's just how it goes. And I mean... I would say like asking yourself, what's this control giving me truly, you know, because at the end of the end of the day, while I might be giving you one or two like things where you're like, oh, this is really working for me because like I have this one person in my life or it's allowing me to have this job. If you dig a layer deeper than what seemingly seems like a good thing. A lot of the times it's keeping us isolated. It's keeping us fear-based. It's keeping us from actually finding the true hell yeses in our life. And that's where a lot of the times it's just comfortable and easy to stay stuck in that control rather than giving into the unknown, giving into exploration and giving into all these other things. Like example, shaman has stayed at my house for a week. And the first few days he was here, all of my dark matter came to the surface. And I'm like, there are dishes out. Like there is rice on my countertop. What is this? And like my control freak side came out and I'm like, getting passive aggressive and getting resentful. But if I go a layer deeper, like what's the control really giving me? It's keeping me stuck in isolation. It's pushing him away because I'm wanting to control him and how he's like sustaining in my house. And in reality, like at the end of the day, who cares? It's a plate. How I'm showing up. Yeah. And you know, it, it doesn't matter. And that control, if I, I look at it deeper, it's not giving me a clean house. It's giving me aloneness. It's giving me isolation. It's keeping information from me. And so when we get, and get really honest with ourselves about the true thing that control is giving us, I think it becomes a lot easier to say, okay, I don't want this anymore. This isn't serving my highest good. This isn't serving what I actually want for my life. I'd rather take a giant leap into the unknown abyss and see what gifts lie there because this is painful. This is boring. This isn't like, this just isn't fun, you know? Yeah, I call it monotonous behaviors. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and even the way that I approached you in this situation, <laughs> I wasn't coming at you like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take you out, girl. <laughs> no, I was like, I love you. Yeah. Share with me. <laughs> Talk to me. Yeah. So what do you say to people who have passive aggressive? Because passive aggressive is a behavior mm -hmm. in shamanism. We call passive aggress aggressiveness the spirit that holds your tongue, mm -hmm. but holds your tongue from your power. Yeah. Right? 
And we have in shamanism an idea of holding your tongue and not wasting your words on nonsense so that you're conserving energy and you're not putting yourself inside of a tidal wave of someone else's energy. But holding your tongue by holding your power back, because when you get to express yourself, you're, mm-hmm. you're being aware of your power and you're saying it's okay for me to have power. Mm-hmm. But it's also expressing from the heart, not expressing from the place of I'm someone's hurting me. Something's being done to me. I'm mm-hmm. a victim, you know, and I have no control. Mm-hmm. It's like rel- re- relatively um, looking at where that plays out in your life, but also going like, hey, you know what? The reason why I'm passive aggressive because I'm afraid of conflict. But the reason why I'm afraid of conflict is because I've seen so much conflict in the world and the way it has been dealt with. And in the past, it comes out to, you know, hurt and violence and all this kind of thing. And so looking at conflict as an opportunity to to um, to an express forwarding of your quantum leap into your evolution and using it as a as a as a as a gate point to um, recognizing your power mm-hmm. and recognizing the illumination of your power is that conflict actually creates resolution, mm-hmm. but it's how we go into it, right? So, what would you say to people who are passive aggressive, who are listening, who hold back what they really feel, who don't speak what they were, and they suffer in vain? Yeah. Oh gosh. You know, passive aggressiveness in me is interesting because I don't look at it as a way of necessarily holding back my power for me. A lot of the times I look at it as a way of like, this is something you need to deal with. And then I just end up not dealing with it. And so for me, it's like me trying to, maybe it is trying to control my power. I'm not sure. But for me, it's like, okay, this is something in yourself that you don't like that this person's doing. This is something like is internal work. Um, I'm definitely not afraid of conflict. As you know, like I'll have conversations all the time. It's just one of those things where it's like, this is something I have to look at within myself, but then I don't give myself the time to actually go ahead and do it. But isn't that a fear of conflict too? Because look, if you're not, if you're looking at yourself and you're not actually doing it, you may, you may think you're not afraid of conflict. And this is what I find in passive aggressive mm-hmm. people is that they're afraid of their own conflict mm-hmm. yes. and they're afraid of the conflict on the outside too, yeah. because it's create what's inward is outward. Yeah. Right. And so if you're afraid on the inside, you're going to create it on the outside. And you know what I find and I was passive aggressive at a very um, early age in my life when I was like 17, 18 years old. And a friend said to me, he says, you know, you don't need to be afraid of your power, Dirk. Mm-hmm. He goes, and you don't need to come at aggression with me as a way to, because you're afraid of your power. You're afraid that I'm going to defend you. I'm going to be, um, you know, in uh, defense of your mm-hmm. power. Just be comfortable to know that you're loved and you can communicate through love and still get what you I'll need. I'll give you that. Because for me, it's a lot easier to take care of other beings. And then like internal, there was for a lot of years that I've been letting go of. And like whenever I notice it coming up, it is something I sit with. But for a lot of years, it was I could take care of everyone else. But inside, I'm going to sit here and beat myself up. So I will agree. It's an internal conflict that like needs to be dealt with and prioritizing yourself at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, so the, what was the original question again? Passive aggressiveness. Like what's the advice for people to, you know, work through it? Yes. Okay. So number one, I would actually say go inward first before you even approach the person because and make that time to actually go inward and look at yourself. Because again, anytime you're getting frustrated, agitated, um, feeling any type of way other than love towards somebody, it's something in yourself you haven't embraced yet. And it's something in yourself that you have to like talk to and sit with. So turn inward first, if you can. Um, because I think approaching things with love with other people is a new type of having a conversation for a lot of people. Um, and, and so this can be something really simple. So to put this in like example, it can be something as simple as saying like, I love 
the opposite of what's playing out right now about myself or about that person. And it can be something super simple. So like if I wanted to not be passive aggressive to Shaman when he left a dish out, I could have very said like, oh, Shaman, I love having you here so much. I love like how much you pick up after yourself and how like you really take care of this place as if it is your own home. And I would have picked up immediately. Yeah. So you can literally manifest the type of relationship you want with yourself, with other people. Um, And that same trick can be applied inward. So like if you aren't picking up your own dishes, then every time you walk into your bedroom, you're like, oh, I'm such a slob. And say like, oh, you know what? I really love how tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up with so much energy and I'm going to pick up all of the clothes that are sitting in the corner of this room so I can really honor the space for myself. Like this is a conversation you can be doing with others and yourself. And that way, maybe you heal it on your own. And like the next day, you really don't care about the plate and you don't have to talk to that person. Or maybe you still choose to talk to that person. Like at that point, becomes something where you've equalized in yourself where the quote unquote conflict is a lot less likely to go south and to become like a rocky, explosive, not so great type of conversation, which is what we typically see play out on TV. Beautifully expressed, by the way, my love. Beautifully (laughs) expressed. I mean, I feel such adoration and such honor um, in hearing your words and the way that you've expressed that so poignant and so needed and necessary at this time in our evolution. And if we begin to look at the conflict that happens on both on an interpersonal level, and then we look at the conflict that happens in the community-based level, and then we look at the conflict that's happening on a global level, is the same. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that what the, the, the real issue comes down to is that we weren't taught how to honor ourselves mm-hmm. and still be loved mm-hmm. and be able to handle conflict in a way that actually supports the evolution of both parties instead of just thinking of, well, I have to make sure I'm the one who's safe and the other person gets hurt. Mm-hmm. So we have this kind of like this contrast of if I don't understand something, then you know, I have a right to act this way and do this. And as long as I'm safe, then it doesn't matter how the other person is. And I think that when we get out of that kind of like I, I, I position mm-hmm. and get into the more we, we, we mm-hmm. position and recognizing that it's not about conflict, it's more about understanding. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where true compassion comes in because a lot of times people think they're compassionate, but they don't understand that compassion is the ability to accept someone mm-hmm. with pure unconditional love. It's like mm-hmm. when we had our conflict, I said to you, I love you mm-hmm. and I'm here and I'm not going anywhere mm-hmm. and I'm here to open my heart and you tell me what's going on and we're going to grow through this, mm-hmm. right? Instead of me taking it personally mm-hmm. and being like, well, oh, really? Okay, okay, well, fine. You know, then I'm going to do like what I did in high school and I'm just going to pack my bags and be out of here. I just simply <laughs> said, do you want me to leave or do you not want me to leave? Yeah. And, and, and just share with me. And I shared with you my feelings. This mm-hmm. is what it feels like to me. And then we go through that conversation because I, I noticed that one of the biggest issues that people have in the world today is this behavior, mm-hmm. is this issue of conflict on multiple levels that are showing up mm-hmm. in relationships, in business associations, in um, family issues. I mean, you name it. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's everywhere. Everywhere. And everyone is walking around. You know, some people are walking around with major aggressive energy because mm-hmm. they're afraid to get hurt. And other people are walking around being victims because mm-hmm. they get hurt mm-hmm. because no one is bringing conflict resolution in a way that actually makes sense for both people people to rise up and benefit through this evolutionary process mm-hmm. that they're creating when they're creating two polar opposites. Yeah. And I think that really is a wonderful way for us to move into the segue that I want to move into with you, which is basically talking about 
understanding these polar opposites, mm-hmm. understanding the duality that's present in our world also keeps us in conflict with the idea of dark and light, mm-hmm. you know, God versus darkness, mm-hmm. God versus the devil, and how that has played such an intrinsic um, viewpoint in people's lives and how it's actually created a lot of separation mm-hmm. with people and how they label themselves from what people call the gay community to being black or being white mm-hmm. or, you know, having any kind of, because um, I was telling you when I first got here how mm-hmm. when I was in Jacksonville, Florida, um, you know, last year, they wouldn't even take my car mm-hmm. at the Ritz Carlton. And they, you know, they I was dealing with a lot of, you know, prejudice and racist issues. And for me, it wasn't like a really big deal because I don't really see myself and identify myself as like, I know I'm a black man, but I don't see and, and, and use that as a calling card to the whole of who I am. Mm-hmm. However, there are people who do. They do. They hold so strong to these places inside of them that anything that comes at them with force, they are ready to be a victim or they're ready to attack. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's a very primal nature. Yeah. Right. And so if you look at animals in nature, when an animal is cornered, it has two choices. It either submits mm-hmm. or um, it, it, it submits or it runs or att- actually three natures get submits, runs and attacks. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we are still operating in this very primal discord on earth. What are some of the things that you feel uh, when it comes to this whole idea of God versus devil, dark versus light, man versus women, gay versus straight, all of these dual dualities that are showing up that are really taking us and distracting us from the big picture, which is the human race, the animals, the nature kingdom, and preservation for all? Oh, gosh, that's a big question. <laughs> I told you we're going to dive in deeper. You know, you know me. You know, I like to, I, you know, I like to shake it up to wake it up. Yeah. My perspective, let me make sure I'm understanding the question correctly. What's my perspective on the duality that exists in society today? Yeah, because I mean, even the conflict that happens in millennial culture, which is the idea that there's groups of people who have lots of money and make lots of money and they're very successful. They drive nice cars. They have houses and whatever. More than that. No, no, no. The millennial culture duality is the zenial versus the millennial because like the- Tell me about that. Yeah. So the people that were born, so the millennial generation is large. It's essentially like 22 to 36 years old now as of 2018. Um, And so the people that are in that 32 to 36 range, they have now broken off from us millennials to call themselves Xennials, the hybrid between Gen X and Gen Y. So for those that don't know, millennials are also Gen Y. Can you Um, explain those two? Because some people who are listening have no idea and they've already just been lost in translation, right? Can you, what is Gen X? What is the Gen X, Y, C, D, F, and G, A, B, C, D, A, F, G? You know, like, I would like to know. I mean, I don't know these alphabets, you know? I don't even know what I am. What am I? You're Gen X. Oh, I'm Gen X. Okay. Gen X. You're Gen X. That sounds like some kind of crazy, like, formula that they would find in some kind of lab or something. Gen X formula. And so Gen X, I want to say, is like 38. I'm not well-versed on Gen X. So, like, don't quote me on this, people. Um, Gen X, I think, is essentially like 37 to, I want to say, probably like 47, maybe 55, because a lot of these generations are spanning. So like I'm 43. Years. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely been classified as Gen X. Yeah. Okay. Um, but again, that range is a loose range. So millennials ended up being essentially like 1981, 82, 83. Jury's still out exactly which year it is to like 2000 is what ended up being labeled as millennials. And then the gen- and millennials are also known as Gen Y. We are lucky we have two names out there because we're that special. Okay. So you, 
you, okay, I got that. Yeah. I got the, 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 the time frame for what each one is. Yeah. Break it down for me. Yeah. What am I? You're Gen Who, X. Yeah. So what, what, what is the Gen X uh, generation? What is your generation? And what is this other one? Gen Z. Gen Z, the end of the alphabet. What is that? What is what is that one? That's like the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas kids we're seeing. So those are the people that are in high school now, in middle school now, that are probably freshmen, maybe sophomores in college now is Gen Z. Okay, break me through what each one has experienced and how it how it oh correlates. Gosh. I'm not an expert on millennials. I'm not an expert on all these generations. So I'm gonna do this loosely. I'm gonna throw loosely is fine because you, you know you're very smart <laughs> and you have a lot of knowledge about a lot of things. And I know that you have this information. Yeah. So. so Gen X is essentially like you guys were the children of baby boomers. So baby boomers had like the the Great uh, Depression. They were the ones that worked really hard. They basically told you guys like. Uh, go to college, get a uh, get a good job, buy a house, get the American dream. And that was pretty attainable for a lot of the Gen Xers. Um, so they essentially passed down the same formula to Gen Y. But, you know, baby boomers, because there was so much war, so much of the Great Depression, they were not um, a very emotional or there was not a lot of like material goods. There wasn't a lot of spoiling of the kids. So then Gen X came in and they were like, okay, I'm going to spoil my kid. Like, I'm going to make sure they never want for nothing. Like, I didn't get to have like the big, huge party with the bounce house. So I'm going to make sure that every single one of my kids knows that they are unique and special being, that they are loved. They're going to get all these things. And that's where millennials got the bad rap for being narcissistic and entitled because we were the generation that every kid got a participation trophy. Um, And so millennials went ahead and they were like, okay, so this is what my parents said. Go to college, get the job, get the house, get the family. And this is the American dream. Only when uh, the upper tier of the millennials, the AK Zennials, so like the 32 to 36-year-olds today, got out of college. It was like 07, 08, and there was the big recession. And they were having to get like mailroom jobs. And they weren't getting paid what they were supposed to get paid based off of their degrees. So it started this very undervalued um, underpaid mentality where a lot became resentful, a lot became bitter, and rightly so. And then to, you know, add frosting to the cake, you know, they're now being labeled as entitled and narcissistic because they're asking for what they thought that they had deserved and earned. Um, which I think we started to see a nice like spin-off where a lot of them are taking their destiny back into their own hands and becoming entrepreneurs and advocating for themselves and really taking up social good causes. And like, I truly think millennials are such a beautiful transitional generation. And a lot of times, a lot of us are getting lost because we aren't finding our way with the causes that light us up. Gen Z, you know, they are the ones that actually grew up with all of the technology. Millennials, we only got technology like halfway through our adolescent years. Gen Z is growing up with this entire world at their fingertips and understanding social causes and things like that. And so people are saying, oh, Gen Z, you know, they don't know anything other than Snapchat filters. But the reality is like we're seeing with the Stoneman Douglas kids, they are going to be, I think, some of the biggest leaders as are millennials helping them pave the way for that because we truly understand the power of social media, that we truly understand the we mentality. Like, I do believe that this is the transition from the American dream just has to do with me and my family to what can we do to lift other people up? How can we rid this duality to bring it full circle back to your original question of truly embracing our brothers and sisters that we're all here for? Because this way of an eye for an eye, I'm out for myself, 
isn't working anymore. We're killing our planet. We're destroying our school systems. You know, all of the systems that have been put in place today are falling apart and crumbling. And, right. and it can't keep going like that. You know what? You just took me to church. <laughs> I, went, I was in Alphabet Church. I went from Gen X to Gen Z to millennials to baby boomers. I saw the babies being in the drum. They were banging the drum and there were baby boomers. They're like, I'm working hard. I'm working hard. I'm working hard. And then I, I heard, I saw them talking to their kids and they were like, mm-hmm. go to school, get a job, did it this, did it that. Because mm-hmm. that's what I heard from my dad. Mm-hmm. They had no emotions. There's no yeah. feelings. It's like feelings, you crying, you're getting emotional. Mm-hmm. What? You have emotion? I'm going to count to 10. One, two. Oh, okay, good. Your emotions are done. So, and it's true. I watch all my friends who have kids. They spoil their kids. They're mm-hmm. like, I'm like, do they need to have so many toys? They're like, you know, the thing is, is that we want them to feel like they can have what they need and what they want. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you know, exactly. They're getting the participation uh, certificate for, you know, I didn't get that. Mm-hmm. I was like playing baseball and I was like on the sports team and doing this stuff. And if I didn't do it, everyone was like, loser, mm-hmm. loser. I remember one time this ball was coming at me and I just, for some reason, I was looking at this bird in the sky and I should have been more in the game. Mm-hmm. And like, the ball hit my mitt and it bounced out of my mitt. And that was the what we needed to win. Mm-hmm. And the whole team was just like, you're such a loser. I was like the biggest nerd. Well, anyway. that's still going to happen across all generations. The difference is, is that today that kid would still get a trophy, even though everyone would still be calling them a loser. Exactly. <laughs> they would probably get a trophy and still be used to it. But they, they would, like, the whole bully mentality yeah. also would come up. Because yeah. like even now, I mean, there's a situation recently where you know um, my nephew was playing video games with another kid. And he had said something to him you know, on that, that the parent heard. And they got on the phone. And then called my sister and was like, your, your son is bullying my son. And mm-hmm. like, boys couldn't just be boys. When I was a kid, boys, we would do all kinds of things. We'd be like, show me yours. I'll show you mine. The girls would be like, I'll show you mine. I'll show you yours. We'd be like wrestling, you know, getting crazy in the mud with each other, dirt biking, skateboarding, you know. And now mm-hmm. kids are like, they're very like aware of like, if the kid does something that they don't like, they go straight to mommy and daddy and like, I'm being mm-hmm. bullied. You know, it's very interesting how things have shifted. But what you just explained was literally like going to school to learn and understand these levels <laughs> of awarenesses that exist within society. And I know everyone who's listening right now is like going like, um, yeah, I'm loving this podcast. I don't get this information. I bet you the baby boomers didn't even know what they were about, right? I mean, like that's how that's how rad what you just did was. Like it was just off the off the chain. So going back to you know some of this understanding of all of that, right? Mm-hmm. So if we as a society, right, and we're all coming from these different levels of thought and idea and so forth and whatever, how do we piece ourselves back together to work in harmony with each other in order to really bring about uh, an evolutionary awareness? For, the, uh, for our species to be able to keep a foothold on planet Earth. Yeah. So I would say it all starts with you um, taking note of any time like anything negative comes out of your mouth. Like it can really be that simple. Like you, we all, we've all done it. Uh, we snap at a coworker, we snap at our significant other, or our friend, and then we're like 10 minutes later, wow, why did I just say that? Like that was really mean. Instead of just letting that be a passing thought, like, I know we have jobs and we have responsibilities. Maybe like make a note of it in your phone that at night when you're doing like your nightly journaling or just winding down, you go back to that and you spend some time and you sit with that and you look at 
what it is that you need to, what that was that came out at this other person that you need to embrace in yourself. Like take the time to heal yourself because at the end of the day, you know, as cheesy as it is on airplanes, you have to put your life mask on first before helping somebody else for a reason. And this is the same thing. So do your own internal work as you notice it comes up. It doesn't need to be like, it's not like an overhaul. This isn't something that's done. You know, you're 43 years old. This is something that you still work on and and go through. Um, This is something that is, is just a practice for life. And so when we go ahead and we notice those things happening in us, why we're calling out somebody else's imperfections or flaws or trying to control them, embracing those things in ourselves, And it allows us to show up with true compassion for others. Um, and it allows us to shift from that I to that we mentality. It allows us to uh, not use bullying and things like that as an excuse. You know, I think, you know, I saw this meme a while ago, especially like in the millennial generation, I'm CCing my lawyer is the new way of saying, um, I'm telling mommy and daddy, you know, especially with so many of us having digital businesses today, you know, everyone's ripping off each other's ideas. And, and so that's a question I get a lot, like with my clients, cause I do blog consulting. Um, they'll be like, Oh, this girl copied my blog post. Like how fresh, like, what do I do? Like, and they'll like, spin out and get really angry. And I'm like, you know, that means that you're not valuing yourself. Like this is an internal thing. Like you can go ahead and like give her and uh, DMCA or whatever those are, like the cease and desist things. But at the end of the day, if like you are truly confident in your unique value and you've truly embraced your gift and your power, they can go ahead and like repurpose everything you're doing all day, but you're the one that's truly delivering that unique message. So everything always just comes back to ourselves and that allows us to heal and spread that out to others. I like that. And I also think too, to add to what you were saying, I think it's important for everyone at least to experience doing charity work. You know, mm-hmm. um, in a lot of my early age, I did a lot of work in um, women's battered homes. I worked in acupuncture clinics. Uh, I worked in a lot of charity, um, of, you know, situations to really just get into the we understanding, yeah. the mm-hmm. we in action, you yeah. know? And and I think that really helps people to kind of get out of the the the, the I and get into the we mm-hmm. and really recognize like the that there's a greater resource mm-hmm. and it doesn't always have to be money because a lot of times I feel like people are like oh well, I really want to do something but I don't have the money no. or I really want to do something but what can I do well you mm-hmm. can actually just go right now and go and help feed the homeless mm-hmm. or you can I mean I used to get arrested all the time for feeding the homeless but like <laughs> things were different at that time I was a part of this thing called food not bombs homes not gels mm-hmm. and we used to feed people in San Francisco on the streets and then the cops would come and take our soup and dump it in the street and do mm-hmm. all these things and we would go to jail for like. 24 hours and we get out and because we have so many of us we get arrested and then we go back and make more soup and go feed the homeless Mm -hmm. again it was like you know this thing however things have changed now where there's more there's more organizations that are available to allow you to do that without getting in Mm -hmm. trouble where they have gone through the whole thing of getting the food checked and making sure it was okay and everything Mm -hmm. and really go out there and really get into the we in action. I mm-hmm. think we in action really is going to help a lot of people. And it gets you out of this whole idea about I. Because I think if you're going to make money in life, you can have a good life. It's wonderful. Great. But there's nothing greater in life than having money and being able to not to only help your life, but to lift someone up to be able to see their dreams come true. And I think as we get into that space, I love there's this, you know, this whole idea of like feeding someone you know, first, like giving them food, right? And just knowing that everyone is taking and looking out for each other Mm -hmm. and being able to create that symbiosis, that understanding of like, you know, I nurture you, I nurture me. And really get into that space because when we recognize that, that's the pivotal moment in life where we actually begin to go like, oh, 
we can make it on this mm-hmm. planet, right? And if everyone just starts to adopt a lot of these ideas that we're talking about in today's podcast and really just start implementing new structures in their life that are more humanitarian based, mm-hmm. more self-loving based, and much more nurturing based. I think we got something good here. I do too, but I have to add to what you're saying. Like yeah. I love the charity humanitarian aspect of things as somebody that has worked a lot with people with nonprofits and like the heads of nonprofits and things like that. I caution people to not get, not forget that these two go hand in hand. Like they, they have to be complementary. Don't get so caught up in all of the work that you're doing for others in charity work and things like that, that you forget to look at yourself. You forget to fill up your tank. You forget because you can go be in this amazing, and I've seen this happen a lot in the nonprofit community. They're amazingly wonderful, giving compassion and people. They're doing all these things for the collective. And then they go home and they're just awful to their families or awful to their closest friends. So this is really, um, they both need to, need to come together and integrate. I love that. I love, I love your ad. Wonderful. <laughs> I love it. So um, anyway, so tell me a little bit about your blogs because I know we don't have that much time left mm-hmm. on the show, but I want to learn more a little bit about you and I want the listeners to learn a little bit about you. Well, tell us like what kind of blogs do you write? Yeah. So it's everything that falls under the umbrella of embracing more of who you are while navigating this whole adulting thing. So there's a lot of personal development content, but there's also a lot of stuff with personal finance, home, career, entrepreneurship. So it's really just that holistic perspective of the things that I've gone through, um, the things that people write in, ask me a lot of questions about. So much so that the blog has now turned into a podcast where we answer even more of your questions. We also have awesome guests. Uh, Shaman Dirk is, is one of them. Um, and it's just really, really a great way to connect with everybody. So you can find all of that at theconfusedmillennial.com. Podcast, same name. My Instagram's the same too. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And if we have just one last takeaway for mm-hmm. everyone who's listening, What's your last thing that you want everyone to be left with? It goes back to essentially the blog's tagline. It's time to embrace more of who you are so that you can go out there and share your gifts and your power with the world and make the impact and change that your soul craves. I love that. And so everyone, uh, I just want you to all know that, you know, you are rock and roll and you are spiritual giants and you are here to to let people know that you are here because you are sacred and there's no one like you. And this is your time now. So fire up that energy inside of yourself. Stay lit. Be the most amazing you that you can be because no one else can do it better than you because there's no one else like you. And this is your time now. And so honor that sacredness of seizing this moment to be that which you are. And as Rachel said, you know, live your life, enjoy your life and always celebrate who you are in life. And remember that you have everything you need to be a champion. So I love you all. Have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful you. And I look forward to seeing you again and and sharing with you on Ancient Wisdom today. Thank you, everyone. Hey, you know, this was the most amazing, powerful, enlightening, and just divinely, divinely enlightened moment to be on this beautiful experience with Rachel from the Confused Millennial. I mean, don't you feel lit? Don't you feel so powerful that you can just like, you've got all this information, your brain is probably racing a mile a minute with all this information, but it's sinking in there and it's being digested in the way that is necessary for you to go out in the world and make change and create change and understand yourself in a better way. And if you are a millennial, you just got millennial boot camp of information that is going to soar you to higher heights and show you that there is no wall that you cannot 
not knocked down because the wall doesn't exist at all. So I'm just so happy that all of you joined us today on Ancient Wisdom Podcast. And remember, please check me out on Instagram at Shaman Durek and also go to the website at shamandurek.com. And remember, get involved in your community, get out there, learn and connect with other people. And remember that there is no conflict. There's only solution. And we're here to limit the pollution and bring solution. I love you all so much and have a wonderful, wonderful you. And I'll see you in the next show on Ancient Wisdom today. Bye. Hello, Tribe. This podcast is sponsored by Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic is a natural superfood company that specializes in mushroom-based drinks that benefit our immunity, energy, longevity, and keeping us healthy and enhanced in our lives. Four Sigmatic makes a wide variety of blends, including mushroom coffee, mushroom elixir, hot cacao, matcha, and superfood blends. I believe strongly in this company. I've been taking Four Sigmatic and it has changed my life. I can't even begin to start my day without a cup of Four Sigmatic in front of me. Right before I meditate or I do anything from speaking engagements to traveling to doing healing on people or just going out in the world and sharing my immense love for this planet and for everyone on it. I feel lit times 1,000. It is literally shifting the energy in my being. I'm talking firing off those synapses, kicking my body into high gear by awakening those electrons, spinning those electrons, getting my body so on point with my focus, my creativity, and my energy. One of the products that I love the most is the Lion's Mane's Coffee. Lion's Mane promotes productivity and focus, and it was known by shamans and monks who take that into their body for meditation, focus, and clarity so they can really tune in to the energies and absorb the knowledge and information that is coming to them from the spirit world. And as you know, on Ancient Wisdom Today, we like to keep it lit all day every day. And how do we do that? By creating magic. And what is magic? Magic is turning up that energy, living our truth, honoring who we are, and doing what's right for us so that we can live a beautiful, powerful, easy, playful, fun, joyous, and just the most powerful life in this now time. So if you don't have Four Sigmatic on your shelf, in your bag, in your briefcase, on the airplane with you, right before you speak, whatever it is that you do, you have to get this. Even for your kids, for your teenagers, pop it in their, in their bag before they go to school. This is the drink that literally makes you think. It is powerful and it is enriched with so many powerful mushrooms and these Adaptogens are literally changing the lives of people. And remember, I've talked to you many times before in the past about 
mushrooms and the networking system of mushrooms when it gets into your body and just really taking your body to a whole new level. So if you're interested in learning more about this amazing company, because I just really want you to know, Tribe, that everything I share with you, I share with you from my heart because I believe in it and I see what it has done for me and my life and all of my friends and family. Go to foursigmatic.com backslash shaman Durek and you will get a discount code at your checkout. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com backslash shaman Durek for your 15% off. I love you tribe. I love you so much. That is the reason why I choose sponsors that are in alignment and authenticity to what this tribe is about. Staying lit, staying focused, staying driven, and changing our planet for the good. Love you. Enjoy the share. Bye.